The following is a public service announcement from the Academy of Active Learning Arts and Sciences. If you were told today that your school has to start teaching all classes online, from home tomorrow, what would you need to know and do? RTOL is a free program to help teachers make a rapid transition to teaching remotely if a spreading virus forces your school to suddenly close. The free program includes a 12-step emergency transition plan, a video tutorial on teaching remotely, and access to a rapid response team of experienced teachers to provide ongoing online support. You can access the program at aalasinternational.org. BAM Radio Network. Now, if all of these schools are going into, into lockdown and shutout mode, what's going to happen to all of this testing? Boy, what if my students are performing just as well without being physically in the classroom? And if we look at this as a challenging situation, it's also an opportunity. I do hope that everybody approaches it with a bit of humility and less willingness to blame for what goes wrong and that we learn from the mistakes that are going to be made and uh, really get better together. Welcome to EdChat Radio. I'm Tom Whitby. Joining me tonight, we have our uh, regular moderator, Harvey Alvey. And we have a special guest, Adam Yankai. Um, we're going to be discussing this past week's EdChat, which dealt with the coronavirus or COVID-19, depending on which one you want to use. Uh, this is the actual question. The coronavirus has already impacted education globally with the mass closing of schools and cancellations of national and local education conferences. What are the implications or consequences of decisions being made in regard to the health and safety in the wake of the coronavirus on the American education system. And we were discussing how that is affecting education and possibly affecting education on into the future after everything is over. But Harvey, let's start off with you. What were your reactions? If we look at this holistically, I think we also have to, we have to remember before we start talking about teaching strategies and teachable moments, that this is a tragedy. Obviously people have died all over the world and, uh, uh, the, the trauma and the stress in the United States now that is picking up because there's more testing that we, we can't ignore that, uh, although we want to get into the pedagogy uh, too. So, but I think we need to consider that because some kids are certainly scared and nervous and, and with, with schools closing, we also have the situation where we could talk about remote learning, but what about if, if there's a single parent home or even if both parents are working? So I think we have that whole level. Regarding the, as you said, about the future, uh, certainly this is going to uh, test a lot of us in terms of re remote learning and distance learning and trying to upgrade our skills there. But again, there is an upside and a downside. Downside is, uh, as was mentioned on the chat, that uh, not a lot of families uh, that are underserved have multiple devices. And if there's going to be some online learning, that's going to be an issue. But it is an opportunity, certainly, to fine-tune one's skills in, in that respect. It, it certainly has um, emphasized the, the digital gap that we have between the, the haves and the have-nots. Uh, there are many people who will not be able to access online uh, information from their teachers. So, so that is a problem. The other problem that, that one of the things that I always push is that teaching online is, is much different from teaching in a classroom. And we don't have enough teachers trained to teach properly online. It's, it's a whole different ballgame. I mean, there are so many distractions that students would have sitting in their own room uh, trying to listen to a teacher's lecture that, that lecturing doesn't work. Um, so so there, there are many differences. Rather than me go on about that, Adam, what were your thoughts? Well, my uh, first introduction to the coronavirus was not, you know, through, okay, how's it going to affect my teaching? Like Harvey alluded to, is from the human aspect. I teach at a boarding school, which has a significant Chinese and Korean population. 
So my first connection to the coronavirus was through my students who were alarmed at what was happening back home, what their families were going through and what their you know families would potentially be going through. Uh, we looked at it through the lens of these students might want to go home for spring break, but maybe they can't. And, you know, the, the stress that was palpable in them and then you know, translated to my classroom, uh, you know, really is what touched me into the situation. So my approach as we've gone to now remote learning has been to start with the human person. You know, we have a lot of kids that are they're very upset, you know, at a boarding school. It's a very tight community. And, and really, they have each other. That is their family for several months out of the year. With those kids now being scattered to the winds, some of them going home, some of them going to, you know, an adopted home temporarily, and some of them, frankly, having to stay on campus because they have nowhere to go. Um, the idea of remote learning has, uh, you know, really come at me through the through the human lens. Content is important, and we need to continue to, to teach content. But, you know, boy, I, I'm, I'm really concerned about the human beings that are in my in my classroom and in my learning experience. And so that's that's primarily my focus right now. The, the, the other consideration are, are the schools that are remaining open. Yep. Um, how, how do we keep a six foot distance between kids? Certainly, we have to look at the way our classrooms are situated. You know, rows may not be the best way to go. And what do we do about phys ed classes where there's a lot of very close contact in, in, in the group sports and group things that they do within a phys ed class? And what about the cafeteria? Do we need more teachers to sit in the cafeteria to monitor how the distance that students are from each other? And, and even standing online, you know, just to, to get to their lunch. Kids line up and, and many schools have 20 minutes or a half an hour lunch. So they're really trying to push kids through very quickly. And, uh, that may not be the very best thing to be doing. So, so uh, aside from the distance learning problems, we've, we've got existing classroom problems for those who, who are not closing schools. Harvey, there's a few things here. Certainly, you know, when we talk about blended learning, which is, of course, very popular now, you know, the idea that uh, that the lecture is done remotely and that the student questions and everything are, are in class. We don't have that kind of blended situation if schools are, are if students aren't going to be at schools. But what you just described maybe is a new application of the word of the phrase blended learning, where it's blended, where some kids can do online uh, or remote while other kids can come to school. And so that's really a, a uh, a new challenge. I'll use the word challenge, which kind of minimizes it. But the other thing that you mentioned, Tom, regarding the, the subject areas, you talked about like physical education. Well, another issue with, with distance learning, and, and Adam, you kind of touched on this when you mentioned content, is that distance learning, even from some of the specialists in this area, try to point out that um, distance learning isn't perfect for every subject area. And obviously, physical education is a great right. example. But even, even within the context of the uh, regular subjects uh, where students are in class, Distance learning might be better in math and some science. In humanities, where there maybe is more class discussion or more creativity or the arts, it's not really perfect. So we got to be careful about uh, forcing something on students that doesn't work. And the other element um, is, of course, just the challenge for those teachers who haven't engaged in, in that area. And, and that's something that that uh, is going to be tested while it, teachers are being asked to do it at the same time. So the learning curve is going to be very high. It's also for students who haven't learned in, in great that, point. Yeah, that's that a great area. point, Tom. I have always pushed for blended learning. I really believe it's the way that we should go. However, I would not push to go there unless we're prepared to do it. And and although there are some schools that are virtual and, and they are prepared to do it, they're doing it the right way, a majority of the schools in this country are not ready for that. So, so to to look at going to online learning as as, as the answer to this this virus quarantining. I don't think it necessarily is. And, and my concern is what's going to happen when this fails? Because I believe it will fail since we're not properly 
prepared for it. We're just doing it. And who gets the blame for it? Because somebody always gets the blame. Are they going to blame the teachers? Are they going to blame the technology? Are they going to blame the, the policymakers who made those decisions to do that? Certainly not the policymakers because they wind up being the judges. So that, that leaves the teachers and that leaves the technology. It's not a winning situation. I'm, I'm pretty lucky in the situation that I'm in at a private school and that, uh, you know, we're, you know, right now nobody's looking to either create blame or create a, a negative situation for anybody. And what I've told my students, you know, keeping the focus on them, I've told them that I am not going to hold you responsible for the gaps that I create in your learning by my inadequacies. I'm going into this knowing that I've, I've not done this before. I've not used video learning. I've not used, you know, any kind of offline or, uh, you know, out of the classroom assessments before. And we're going to learn it together. I told the students, I'm depending on your feedback. I got their feedback uh, before we've left campus. I asked them what parts of the class are important to you to maintain. And it's going to be my job to figure out how to translate that into an online experience. Now, we have a fabulous, you know, tech department. And I'm really glad that I'm connected to Twitter and so many educators that have been using online platforms for learning for so long that I can tap into their expertise. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to be able to translate their knowledge into my classroom experience and my students' classroom experience perfectly. So for me, it's really about, you know, I need to make them comfortable that we're going to try this together. I'm going to hold them accountable for their earnest attempt to engage in the learning. But they can also hold me accountable if there are gaps that get created because of the platform and the, and the methods that I'm using then I, I need that feedback and I need to bridge that gap. I don't need to add that to their stress. Their stress is already through the roof. I need to take that on me and fix the problem. I think, I think everybody, everybody's stress is through the roof. Um, but, but you did mention assessments, and, and that brings up another subject. Testing is, is usually held off toward the end of the year. Now, if all of these schools are going into, into lockdown and shutout mode, what's going to happen to all of this testing? Is testing becoming less important? I think it really hits the issue of priorities. And if we look at this as a challenging situation, it's also a, a, with challenging situations, they're also, it's also an opportunity. And maybe this will help us get our priorities a little straighter to think in an optimistic way. And maybe testing from the standpoint of high stakes testing, maybe it'll take a backseat. If we learn that high stakes testing is not as important as uh, what's going on in the teacher-student relationship and learning that way, then that's that's going to be a win that comes out of this awful situation. And, you know, for me, I'm you know going to be teaching in a very different way. And out in humility, I'm going to say, well, boy, what if my students are performing just as well? They're learning the content without being physically in the classroom. And if that's the case, then I'm going to need to, as a teacher, rethink what's going on in my classroom and think, okay, what other methods could I, you know, be using to deliver the, the content and the learning and how else can I use my classroom time. So I do hope that everybody approaches it with a bit of humility and less uh, less willingness to blame for what goes wrong and that we learn from what the mistakes that are going to be made and uh, really get better together. Uh, these are pretty much our final thoughts. Harvey, did you want, want to add anything to that or, or was that about it? Um, I would just say regarding Adam's point, uh, you know, he certainly sounds like a lifelong learner. And I think the, your willingness, Adam, to say, you know, I'm going to make mistakes along the way. I need the feedback from students. That's, that's so important. And I think uh, with remote learning in particular, getting that, having that two-way interactive feedback and looking at this as an inter interdisciplinary opportunity, I, I think that's great. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And, and really thanks to my administration for creating an environment that, that allows me to feel that way and not, uh, not feel the pressure to, you know, to perform to high stakes tests and all that. So I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful to be in the situation that I'm in. My, my final thought on the whole thing is, is looking at the silver lining. As horrible as this crisis is, it may have us re-examining our education system, re-examining our healthcare system, re-examining our political system, 
re-examining our leadership. So if, if we move ahead in all of those areas, um, it, it would be a positive outcome for a very uh, negative disease. But I see by the old clock on the wall, it's time to um, close things up. So I would like to thank my guest, uh, Adam Yankai, and uh, our moderator and good friend, Harvey Alvey. I'd like to thank BAM Radio for supporting us again, uh, as they always do and have done for the last 11 years in producing the Ed Chat Radio Show, reminding everybody that Ed Chat takes place every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. So join in the chat and then follow up with the Ed Chat Radio Show. Before we sign off, we want to let you know that if you're an education leader and you enjoy Ed Chat Radio, you'll probably also enjoy AASA Radio with Dan Dominich on the BAM Radio Network. It's also available on demand. Check it out. You've been listening to Ed Chat Radio. I'm Tom Whitby. This program is produced by Accretive Media for the BAM Radio Network. Thanks for listening. RTOL is a free program to help teachers make a rapid transition to teaching remotely. If a spreading virus forces your school to suddenly close, you can access the program at aalasinternational.org.